0: Hi folks, Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm Riderflex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the Riderflex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor.
1: Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing360. Fuel your
0: brand. So josh uh, so you're in indiana what what part bloomington or whereabouts
1: you know uh eight days ago i moved to indianapolis uh i was stationed down in bloomington and i'd been there for nine out of the last 11 years so definitely was home for me uh did my undergrad down there went up to chicago right after undergrad and then went right back to bloomington after a, a pretty short stint up in chicago too cold for you up there too windy uh, something like that. I think it's, uh, yeah, you know, work life balance uh, becomes really, really important uh, at a certain stage of life. And maybe it hit
0: me a little bit sooner than it hit some of my contemporaries. Did you, you went to high school though in Indiana, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Lawrence North Wildcat. Yep. Proud of all. Okay. All right. All right. Tell me about your mom, dad, siblings. Give me a little early family life there. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I'm one of three um my parents are both from out of state uh both on the east coast mom's from like upstate new york dad's from boston still carries the heavy accent most of his friends call him boston which is pretty fun that's um fun. yeah i've never heard my dad use an r in his life josh get in the cat um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, so we grew up in the the Indianapolis area, kind of started off in Fishers, moved our way over to Lawrence, uh, parents split when I was about 13. Oh, that's a tough age for a split right there. Yeah, it was a little kid. rough, yeah. it was a little rough for sure, um, but yeah, got got pretty lucky that through sports found a really good, uh, you know, kind of conglomeration of people that helped, really helped support and raise.
0: Uh, my mom was pretty tremendous in that as well, okay. um, and then state, really over, the, over the past- you And your siblings are you and your you have one brother, one sister? What'd you have?
1: Yep, older brother, younger sister. Yep. You
0: guys all you guys all stayed with your mom as the primary? Or, yep, or... all stayed with
1: mom, all stayed with mom, and then really didn't pursue additional relationship with my dad until college. But you know, now he's one of my strongest supporters, one of my best friends. But yeah, there's there's a pretty long period there where it was it was pretty touching go.
0: It's tough, you know, for you, for teenagers uh during in divorce. Well, first, first of all, being a teenager is <laughs> just weird anyway right <laughs> you know and that's a tough time for parents uh tough time for parenting tough time to be a teenager uh and then if you throw a divorce in there yeah it's it's you know it's it's tricky so um, but you got you got past it sounds yeah. like and now you have a good relationship with your dad where's he at now indy yep not too far from where we just moved actually which is pretty neat okay and your mom's still in the area too
1: yeah she's over in lawrence very close to where we actually grew up it's it's great
0: Uh, either one of them remarry both both. okay yeah okay and uh and your brothers and your brother and sister what do they do yep
1: so my older brother is a um he's about to be a manager at a starbucks he's been working for starbucks for like i want to say almost 13 years now pretty tremendous uh yeah just kind of got started right after high school and uh, dabbled around with a couple different things but man Starbucks really stuck for him and he's just pursued it and okay. it, it's really worked out to be a pretty decent career actually okay. um, my younger sister is a personal trainer Um, and she is really good at what she does she uh, she'll she'll take anybody through the ringer Um, yep Katie wow. Lambert I'll give her the plug there she's she's fantastic so anybody that's uh, looking for that kind of service she's great
0: okay so you and your sister were both athletic then both played a lot of sports in high school
1: yeah, and honestly, my brother as well. He was a tremendous wrestler, tremendous oh, wrestler. Is that um, right? Okay. Yep, yep. he ended up giving it up a little bit to focus more on the tech side of things. Um, he, he was a pretty good coder back in the day. Um, and then, yeah, my sister, my sister
0: also was a pretty good athlete herself. Uh, wrestling is a very difficult sport. How about yourself? Which one did you uh, play? What would you play?
1: Yep, I did a little bit of everything, um, but I ended up. I think by sophomore year, I kind of dropped the team sports. Team sports were a little bit hard on the family, just with the amount of travel that I was doing. I was a I was a pretty good baseball player, um, and uh, but we ended up giving that up. And I uh, I took up cross country and track. Okay, um, it, it's a little bit easier on the travel schedule, and I ended up actually running for IU.
0: Um, oh so really? Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. Wow. That's that's pretty big. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big thing. Were you on scholarship or walk on or how'd you do it? You know, it's a lot of people don't know the behind the scenes of like what,
1: what a track scholarship looks like. So a lot of what the big 10 programs have is what's called like a preferred walk on. So, you know, the men's athletic program, if I'm not mistaken, anyway, still has probably 12.6 athletic scholarships between somewhere between 50 and 60 people between like a cross country, indoor and outdoor track. So, okay. if you're a cross country runner, you're a three sport athlete in the NCAA system, right? You go straight from cross country directly into indoor track, directly into outdoor track. And if you have That's a really it. good outdoor season, your nationals will bleed right into training for cross country. So,
0: you know, so it's all year. It's, it's all oh, year. Yeah.
1: yeah there are some years where, you know, I know that like, other sports, I think, have kind of a mandatory rest period or a mandatory like one month kind of hiatus. And obviously, they're still training during that period. But, you know, where it's like no contact from coaches or stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I think for us, it was a little bit more challenging. I know us and I think swimming gets it pretty hard as well. Um, where it is. I mean, there were there were years. I think there were multiple years where it was like you're running more than 350 days a year. Um, yeah. did, you, so,
0: uh, did you run all four years or how how, how far did you go? I ran five years (laughs) so yeah that's another yeah that's another aspect
1: of it for sure is um you're you're most people are much better runners at you know 22 23 than they are at 17 18 so they they redshirt you right off the bat and I was definitely like I was good in high school not great by any stretch and so um
0: but you got better you obviously so you didn't you weren't like a state champion but you must have got a lot better to run for college yeah. You know,
1: I was, I was good in high school. I was in like the most competitive athletic conference in the state. Um, and so like, I, I don't even think I ever won a, a conference title, but the guys that I was going against were, you know, absolute studs, you know, going to the, the best of the best colleges for distance running. Um, and so, yeah, I had some good enough times to go and be a preferred walk on at IU. Um, yep. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And then, so immediately redshirted, and then I had four more years of eligibility.
0: You know, the reason I'm kind of uh, going down this path is because I honestly believe as a, as a recruiter, as a professional recruiter, you know, that's, that's our day job, right? Besides the Rider flex podcast. And, um, I just know from experience and I'm 55 and I've hired thousands (laughs) of people, right? So if you, if, if we're interviewing a candidate that played division one, two, or three, I don't care what division, if they played division college athletics, yeah. There's something about those people. They they are driven. They're they're driven. They're competitive. Their work ethic is tremendous. Their yeah. teamwork. I mean, just they're coachable. I mean, on and on and on. Right. Uh, and so when I see that on their profiles, I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to talk to this person. By the way, how come that's not on your? You, you don't have that on your LinkedIn anywhere that you ran in college. You should put that on there. You're
1: absolutely right. You know what? That's that's a uh, deficiency on the profile. I, I, can, <laughs> I can work on that
0: quickly. That's a big deal. Okay. So cool. All right. Did you um before I ask you about outdoor stuff and how you got into that, what kind of kid were you though? Like in high school, college, were you, uh, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to train. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to class. Yeah. I'm going to go yeah. to the library. Or did you, did you stretch out and did you have a good time a little bit in there? What what kind of kid were you? No, it took a, it took a little while. Um, probably, you know, right after parents kind of split, had a
1: couple rough years there where okay. just trying to find my way. Um, okay. I was a pretty tremendous academic student for a while. And then, was not for a while, and again, it really took, it took finding the community of distance running at Lawrence North, uh, you know, my teammates and coaches that they surrounded me with uh, that support structure. So uh, when you were, when you were
0: 14, 15, you were, you were hard to handle
1: right in there. Hard to handle. Yeah, it's a great way of saying it. I think a lot of my teachers would, would really echo that statement. Um, I think a lot of them though, you know, were tremendous and put in a lot of faith in me and like really tried to steer me the right way, which was great. Okay. And, you know, looking okay. back, I really appreciate that in college um, yeah, uh,
0: did, you, did you did you did you party a little bit in college or were you just a straight straight laced guy
1: <laughs> uh yeah pretty straight laced i think most of us i mean when you're competing at that level there's yeah. really not a lot of leeway um i mean yeah sure a couple times a year you're going to go out and have a really good time but man it's yeah. uh you, you got to be on your p's and q's when you're running that much mm. and when you're really competing at that that kind of level i, I
0: believe it i believe it okay uh, and r- how about right now? Are you married now? Relationships, partners? Yeah, anything? Yep, okay. yep. I got
1: married uh, what nine months ago. Uh oh. Oh, 10 months ago. 10 months oh. ago.
0: Fresh oh, wow. Married. All right, that's that's pretty fresh. All right, oh, how'd, you meet, awesome. you? how'd yeah. you meet your wife? You know, my
1: wife and I are a couple of swipers. Um, I, I huh? haven't been dating.
0: <laughs> so, what is that? What is that? Oh, is that the thumb? Is that the uh, yeah, the yeah, left and
1: right, left and right. So this sorry, is swipers.
0: Great. That's a that's a new term for me. I, okay, you just you know, dedicated I'm, me on something.
1: I'm trying to trademark it right now. So uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, we uh <sighs> I, you know I got on I got on Hinge and I had it for four days. I I went on one date with my wife and that was it. So feel it. Yeah. 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 I was not, uh, I was not on the online dating for too long, but, uh, when I, when I did, I'll I'll plug hinge all day. It was a tremendous experience for me.
0: What's your wife do? My wife is a physician
1: assistant, um, here in Indianapolis. So it was actually one of the main reasons that we moved to Indianapolis versus Bloomington. You know, I've lived in Bloomington for a long time. We have a home there. I have a great community of people down there that I, that I love. Um, but, uh, we could not, get her a job man she uh, IU, nice. IU network really controls that that area down in southern Indiana and she was kind of like final stages of a couple of different positions and they went a different direction and again she's a new grad so she just graduated with her PA license um okay, okay. yeah it was hard so sure enough we open up the scope to Indianapolis. And, you know, pretty much right away, a couple of people are interested in her. So uh, we thought we would try to maybe commute for a little while. It's like 70, 70-ish minutes both ways. And that's a long way. That's a long way. So our family's up in Indy. Both of our families are in Indy. So it was, it wasn't too hard of a, a transition.
0: Okay. And, uh, you know, the thing is, now that she's going to be a PA, you know what's going to happen your whole life. Like when you get sick or you get wounded or whatever, and you kind of start wimping out, she's gonna, <laughs> she's going to be like... She's going to uh, be like, you're you're fine. She's going to be yeah, like, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. Toughen oh, exactly. up. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, speaking of that, I've had a, and this is kind of weird, I've had an upper respiratory cough for like, I'm not kidding, almost eight weeks now. And yeah, I but they linger
0: they, but linger.
1: they linger. They linger. It's crazy. It, they do. Yep. They just linger. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I keep asking her, like, hey, what do I do? And she's like,
0: just deal with it. You just, <laughs> you're. <laughs> See, um, it's already starting. I know. It's already starting. I, she's already like, yeah, stop <laughs> running. <from there." laughs> no, she's great. She takes care of me pretty well that's pretty cool man no kids yet then no kids yet nope just uh, right. just a dog
1: we got a dog about seven right. years ago. he's very very fun okay very cool all
0: right so when you went to school you got your bachelor's in like like accounting right yeah, finance so, and so what? what what like what what was the, and then your early jobs were kind of in that area right so yeah. talk, talk to me man what, were you an early out early avid outdoor camper guy honestly How Oh, okay. All right. You know, like, Talk it took to a me. little while. It took a little while. Yeah. So, like,
1: my neither of my parents really grew up. I don't think camping all that much. Again, okay. but kind of from the east coast, and maybe a little bit more. They enjoy the beaches, maybe a little bit more than they do, kind of okay. the camping setting. Um. Yeah. So, just didn't do a ton growing up. Got into a little bit again during the kind of cross country days of high school. There's there was like a camp that we all went away to for a week, and you camp and you run, and there's a lot of bonding memories there, and I always really enjoyed that. Okay. But, uh, Yeah, my finance and accounting degrees, uh, you know, candidly came from the idea that like I I really wanted to get like a a great job coming out of college. I I saw some of my, again, kind of contemporaries, teammates, you know, just other people that I knew, you know, not really using their undergrad degrees. And I was like, man, I spent five years and a decent chunk of money on this. So I'd really like to get a pretty high return on my investment. So it seemed like every career fair I was going to, they were like, oh, so do you have a background in accounting? And I was like, uh no, no, I'm a, I'm a finance major, you know, and I yeah, it just seemed like maybe the hard skill of accounting would be a, a good balance to my finance major as well. Okay so yeah, that was really and, and that was the impetus behind it. And and it treated me really well. Uh, you know, went off and did some financial consulting and audit practice right out of college. I saw
0: that. Yeah, I saw that. Yep,
1: uh-huh. yep. Um, and that was, that was a good experience, but again, um, you know, work-life balance for me needed to be just a little bit more forefront. Um, and so again, took this opportunity with cook medical back in Bloomington and they're a tremendous company that really values, I think, you know, the, the work-life balance of their employees. Uh, and you're
0: still there, you're still with cook medical as a financial analyst right now. Oh no, you're not there. No, no. So I left that probably almost
1: three months ago at this point, um, so- it, to go full-time with Quip too.
0: Um, so in the same in the same 12-month period you got married and quit your job and started a business
1: (laughs) and moved yeah (laughs) and
0: moved yeah, and moved wow big year for you my friend that's That's, those are all those are all major moves right there yeah
1: yeah i won't disagree with you even a little bit yeah so let's see you at this pace then i think that we can handle it close down
0: you said you got married nine months ago but you quit your job four months ago so so five months after you get married, roughly—I don't know if my timeline's right—but five yeah. months after you get married, you tell your new wife, "You're like, hey, by the way, I'm going to quit my job and yeah, something <laughs> like that, something like that,
1: yeah, yeah." You try to prepare yourself for it. You try to save up a little bit, um, and yeah, you know, again, very lucky. You know, I've I have a wife that you know has a tremendous job, and and that definitely helps. Uh, so,
0: so tell me what happened though. How did they, let's walk, let's get into it. Yeah, sure. you're, at Cook, you're at Cook Medical. You were almost there five years. Yeah. What, what, well, talk to me about how this all came to be yeah I've, I've definitely always had an entrepreneurial
1: spirit like anybody that you talk to that you know has listened to some of my hairbrained or you know ideas that i've bounced off of them oh what if you did this what if you did that kind of knows that that's that's been in the blood for for a long time now where did definitely. that
0: come from is that a seed planted from what your dad did for a living or where did that come from yeah that's a good question. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know
1: if I could pinpoint it. Uh, Dad and I have always had really, really good business conversations. He, he was a pretty high profile business for a, for a period of his life. Um, okay. And so I think he's always tried to
0: get me to think that way. Okay. Um, okay. Anyway. All right. So you yeah. got that spirit. You had, you've always had the little yeah, spirit, always, the bug. Always. I call it the bug. You've had the bug. Yeah. Always had the bug. Always had the bug. Never had a good enough
1: idea where I'm like, Hey, I'm going to take a shot. I'm really going to take a stab at it. Okay. So this is fun. Um, I, uh, the beginning of 2021, uh, one of my wife's best friends, uh, her husband and I really hit it off. You know, we're, we're just chatting all the time. And he starts telling me about like the summer of 2021, he's going to do what's called the GDMBR, the great divide mountain bike route slash race, depends on how you want to look at it. It's okay. the longest gravel route in the world. It's 2,650 ish miles. Um, <gasps> and it goes from Banff, Canada, all the way down to the border of Mexico. Oh, oh really? What?
0: Oh, I didn't, I don't know. Okay. I didn't know about
1: this. All right. Yeah. It's tremendous. Um, usually somewhere between like 250 and 350 participants. Um, and it is, uh, I want to say kind of like, it starts at the beginning of June. Um, but he was talking about this in like, this experience that he's about to go have and and do as much of it as he can. And I started inserting myself kind of into the conversation of like, oh, when we go do that, when we go do that. And, you know, sure enough, like a couple of weeks later, I buy a ticket to Montana, right? And I'm like, well, I can't do the whole thing, but I, I can take a week off of work and do Montana with you. Okay. And uh, so sure enough, I buy a ticket. And then like the, a week later, he reached out and was like, hey, so what bike are you riding? And it hit me and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I have a road bike. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't have... I don't have a mountain bike or gravel yeah. bike. Or I can handle this, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I call I call a different couple of shops in Montana, see if anybody can facilitate this. And there's nothing. There's really there's nothing that, that's working for me.
0: Unless and you so, have unless you buy one. Right. Unless,
1: and so then I looked into buying, right? And I'm looking at like pretty low to medium grade stuff. And it's that plus the bags. I was almost at two grand between the Nobody. bike and the bags and kind of the equipment yep. necessary. And I was just like, that's that is so much just to dabble with this for a week you know, I don't think, I don't think I could stretch that. So, um, you know, I, my buddy was like, Hey, well, you can use my old bike. I just built a specific, like I built a brand new bike just for this route, but you can use my old bike if you want. Sure. enough, my buddy's you know, six, three, six, four, the bike's a little bit too big for me, but you know, whatever, we decide to break them down into boxes, put the gear all in the boxes, ship these boxes, 1800 miles away to Calispell, Montana. They get lost for five or six hours. We end up, putting them together once we get them in our Uber driver's backyard. Cause he was like, well, I don't want you guys just to make them like put them together on the side of the road. Really nice guy. Um, (laughs) Wow. That's interesting. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And then we, we ride for 350 miles, have the most incredible week. Uh, You know, just the best outdoor adventure of my life.
0: Now is this, uh, is this, Staying at hotels or camping on the side of the road in tents or what how are you? Oh staying? yeah, you camp. Yeah, you
1: carry everything with you. You carry right. everything with you. That's that's part of the the tour divide, is um you really can't have um too much support. There are awesome people that let you stay on their property or they have like little stations, uh, you know, oh. trail angles where they have water, food I see. that are a popsicle here and there, um, which is great. Oh, but cool. yeah, yeah. So great experience, unbelievable experience, you know. And then again, we have to break our bikes down, and ship them back. And it was cumbersome. It was expensive. Logistically, it was kind of a nightmare. Um, and I got back, and I was like, "Man, people are not going to be able to do this because, like, logistically, they can't. They can't reconcile it. Like, they can't make it work." And mm. like, and, and so I kind of ruminated with that for a while. And at the same time, um, I'm a host with Airbnb, and uh, down in Bloomington. I see. Yeah. I see. And I love it. And I love the idea that I one can like share my home with people. You know, from anywhere um and kind of like leave them notes of like hey if you haven't checked out x or y you okay. know do that I, I really like playing host i love i think it's one of the more fun hospitality is one of the more fun things that
0: I. you hate. guys started so you did that when you moved when you moved you just started doing you started renting your place out there
1: down there yeah you? so i bought a hundred year old house actually and tore it down and then renovated it and you know my family helped out a ton it was great cool. um All right. so yeah, All right. really close to the iu stadium so it really works out for football games and all stuff right. like that. So, um, yep, yeah, we rented it out. And again, it's the idea that I'm taking this asset that I own and turn it in, turning it into a revenue generating. Mm, mm, right. Mm. So, um, you know, I started looking around and right. Like you're seeing this in other areas, this peer to peer markets proliferating it's in cars with Turo it's in RVs with outdoorsy it's in like your backyard with hip camp where people can just but, come but, near your yard, right. Yeah. I've seen that. Yep. Right. And so I was just obsessed with this idea of like, what is that next frontier? And, you know, after my Montana experience really it hit me, I think it's outdoor gear. You know, I looked in my garage and I have almost $2,000 worth of like, you know, a road bike and camping equipment and other setups where it's like, man, that, that doesn't get used 48 weekends a year. Sure. Um, so, you know, what if I could make 50, 60 bucks a weekend? Would I do that? Yeah, for me, I would any day of the week, you know, not everybody would. But for me, that's an easy mm-hmm. win. Mm -hmm. um and so right so the night before i married sophie my wife uh i pitched this idea to uh my co-founder now john laughlin who's sophie's oldest brother so he's my brother-in-law and our one employee ben kirby and we were sitting there and i was like i kind of pitched this idea like what if you could rent out your is
0: is this at the bachelor party you're pitching this at your bachelor party (laughs) oh no just just the night
1: before the marriage okay okay yeah (laughs) so uh yeah i guess after the uh rehearsal dinner uh, okay all right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, man, I just saw their eyes kind of light up and they got so excited and they just started spitballing. They're like, Hey, this could, You know, X, Y, Z, you know, I got off on my honeymoon. I take my laptop. I scribble notes. You know, i started to do some research. I come back and John, my co-founder just, you know, we, we, we connected really early, you know, that week I got back and, you know, I asked him, I was like, Hey, you know, I don't think I'd want to do this on my own. You know, would you be interested and he, he was like, let me run it by the wife, but I think I'm really interested. <laughs> so we hit the ground sprinting. And then, you know, a few short months later, we brought on Kirby as well. Um, and the three wow. of us have, have really been, I, I don't know what else to say, sprinting for the last nine months. We went from ideation. We went from like that idea to a product in market in eight months and two weeks.
0: That, that is absolutely. pretty fast. That's pretty fast. Now is probably a good time for the listeners to just give, though. Let's do a quick overview. Give me the elevator absolutely. pitch right, right now of Clip 2. Go for it.
1: Uh, Yeah. And if you want the five second pitch, it's Airbnb for outdoor gear, right? We allow owners who own a kayak or a paddleboard, a bike, camping equipment, and you own this gear and you want to make additional money on this gear. When you're not using it, you can create a listing on our website. And then people who are interested, either they're from your town and they're just dabblers or they're from out of town and they're looking to engage in that outdoor activity, they can peruse and browse these listings, find the perfect one and book it for the weekend. Or for the week, however how long, you know, you, you have it delineated for.
0: Okay, so you're, you're like a broker, basically, you're connecting the, We're the the conduit, the conduit. Thank you. I was looking for the right word. You're the conduit. Okay, very good. All right. And it's quip q-u-i-p-t-u.com. Yeah. com. quip 2 Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure the listeners get the website right quip yeah. Um, If you want to rent your goods and or Be a renter, renter or rentee, either way, do you just go to the website and then you, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, pretty
1: darn easy process. We worked with one of the best UI UX designers in Indianapolis. He set it up uh, and we really, we did over a hundred user interviews before we designed a single wireframe, right? We were like, Hey, if this is what we're designing and you're going to create a listing, what do you need? um and you know took all that feedback again we, we didn't try to reinvent the wheel we want people to feel comfortable with the idea of like oh i've seen airbnb oh i've seen some of these other platforms you know mm-hmm. we have we have our own twist on it obviously but you know um again when people get to the site when they actually check it out it's the feedback is oh this feels very natural it feels very familiar
0: okay and is there an app or it's just a user-friendly site on your phone or how does that work
1: Yeah, right now we're just using a web platform, so yeah, equip2.com. It we will move our way into Android and iOS, no doubt. Um, Honestly, the the web platform works tremendously well on the phone, so we haven't felt the need to do that yet. And again, our user feedback has been, oh no, it's great on the phone. So
0: okay, and is this everything? I mean, I'm I'm a camper, right? I live in Colorado, so so I'm I I wouldn't maybe I'm not a pro, but I'm close. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so my my so all this stuff starts going through my head. Like, are we talking tents? Are we talking are we yeah. talking are we talking mountain bikes? Are we talking yeah. I mean what everything? Everything. Right.
1: So our three product categories to start anyway are bikes. So you're talking about e-bikes, leisure bikes, road bikes, gravel bikes, mountain bikes. Um, you're looking at we call them paddle sports. So we're looking at stand-up paddle boards, inflatable and non-inflatable. You're looking at kayaks you're looking at canoes you know etc okay and then you're also looking at the the gamut of camping equipment right we do have one uh owner uh in Indianapolis who has just listed trekking poles you know I'm not <laughs> sure if that's really going to resonate with <laughs> with our renters but again we give them that opportunity but at the same time you know we we have a listing um where it's it's kind of like a tailgating set right where it's a yeti cooler it's a cold I saw girl, that I right. saw that. And so that's, that's a different form of camping, right? We understand that there are different forms of camping. There's glamping, there's car camping, there's backpacking and through packing. Um, those are, those are probably your foremost typical anyway. And, and we have sets kind of designed for all of that.
0: Interesting. You know, I saw the Yeti thing. I mentioned that to my wife because I was talking to her yesterday. She knew yeah. I was going to be interviewing you. And here, this is the reaction. This was the conversation I told her. I said, well, who's going to, nobody, who's going to rent like a Yeti cooler? Wouldn't you just go buy one? And her reaction was totally opposite. She's like, well, <laughs> she's like, she's like, well, Yeti coolers are expensive. If you just wanted it for the weekend, you could just rent it. And that's pretty handy. And I thought, well, yeah, I guess. I hadn't never really thought of that. But yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, I mean, and for me in particular,
1: right? If it's Bloomington, Indiana, and you have, you know, five, ten. 30,000 people potentially coming from out of town. And again, they don't want to travel with all that additional gear, but they're going to go tailgate with their friends. Yeah, they don't want maybe to transport their own $300, $400 Yeti cooler plus $100 Coleman grill. We actually have this weird phenomenon that's happened in Bloomington where, and, and apparently it happens at other tailgating, you know, heavy tailgating colleges as well, where people go and they will buy out Coleman grills at a Dick's Sporting Goods and then not even transport them back. They will absolutely just leave them in the tailgate
0: fields. You know, um, yeah, you've definitely touched on a whole nother revenue stream, right? This, 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 yeah, equipped to us renting camping gear, but there's this tailgating package thing that you could, you could go down a whole path of uh, all kinds of sports for tailgating. You know, all these people that like, like you said, all these people that fly into these games. Yeah. You know, Uh, how does it get, how does it get
1: delivered? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so we try to be pretty dynamic with this, and and we used again kind of some of our contemporaries here with Turo and Outdoorsy are ER two that we think did a tremendous job with their ability to deliver. Right, that's so true. there, as an owner, you can delineate, hey, this is your pickup location. We suggest oh. to our owners have a pickup location, have a pickup location that's public as well. You know, again, for for certain, you know, renters, they're going to feel a lot more familiar or comfortable in a, you know. A public parking lot than they would go into somebody's house, and we totally understand that. Um, okay. And again, that's not always going to be feasible. You know, certain owners are just going to be like, "Hey, actually, I do. I'm not going to be able to transport this. It's it's here." Um, and again, that's you know, we, we do leave that. Again, we are the conduit. We try to you know uh, steer owners in in the right direction if you will. But uh, again, the market does kind of create certain dynamics that that we let the market have. And and one of those, though, is uh, the addition of the ability to deliver outdoor gear. Very few outdoor shops that you can rent from like if you were going to go rent a, a mountain bike or a, a paddleboard or track, you know not all of them will do uh, a delivery feature with that um actually very few will and so we think that this is one of those areas where we really differentiate ourselves from what currently exists anywhere um, yeah, but and, but,
0: it, but right now it's it's they have to go pick it up or the person they have to meet two people have to like meet to get it Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And honestly,
1: that's, that's a little bit by design. You know, one of the big things about Quip2 that we're trying to design, we call it the outdoor community or like the Quip2 community, Uh, right? We need to be knowledgeable to your owners who, you know, are, are now in a relationship with these, these renters, the renters can ask questions. Well, like, Hey, what if I don't know how to do X or Y? Again, the owner can be like, Hey, you need to be really conscious when you're switching from, you know, your, your big rig gear to kind of your smaller one, or, you know, however that, however that works.
0: Okay, no shipping though. So there's no like UPS, nope. FedEx. No, 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 not in our current structure.
1: Uh, there is a site that does that, and they do it really well. And uh, you know, we we we've really tried to lean into that peer to peer. Hey, this is this is how. This okay, is going to work.
0: okay. You said there's a site, so you have competition for this for this deal. Yeah, yes, that's we have ancillary
1: competition, is how we describe it. There's okay. there's nobody on the scale that we're trying to uh, you know pursue Quip to, and how we're pursuing Quip to. Um, there's, there's a small site, uh, in Seattle, uh, that again, is a little bit different where you just say like, Oh, I'd like a, a, men's road bike and they delineate the price. And then they try to hook you up with somebody on the back end. on our site. You see the road bike that you're renting, right? Like if you're interested in a Trek SL six, you know, checkpoint, you can get that bike. Um, and so, so he's managing that out of Seattle. It's his part-time job. So again, we've done we've done a lot of research into who who else does exist in the sphere. There's another uh, website out in the upper upper New York area that's doing something similar. But
0: um, do, you, do yeah. you have a system like um, uh, like some of these VRBOs where the uh, the renter can rate rate the the percent You have to, yeah. Okay. So that is that is the biggest
1: aspect of peer to peer marketplaces. You have to have that and it has to be robust. It has to really work because um, that's, that's how you build trust, right? Like, yes. it, and everybody yes. knows that, right? As a, as a host with Airbnb, I know how above and beyond my wife and I go to prepare our house, you know, because we, we really care about that five-star rating. And we're yep. seeing it on our platform as well, right? Renters are taking good care of people's gear because they get rated and owners are giving their renters high quality gear because mm-hmm. they're getting rated.
0: So yeah, yeah. it's a big aspect okay let me ask you this uh, so I have an e I have a mountain e-bike I bought one great. this last year and yeah. I love it I love it by the way it's mm-hmm. great it's great for older guys like me that need a little boost <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah are you guys like me that need a boost it's uh, yeah it's great I love it um but I spent like 4500 dollars on it right It's pretty yeah. like right now I do like the idea like you said it sets in my garage probably 95% of the time, right? I'm not, I'm not right. I don't get to ride it that often. And I thought, well, okay, yeah, I could rent this thing, get my money back on it. But, but what yeah. about, is there insurance? Is there a deposit? Like how, how, am, I, how am I protected?
1: Yeah, great question. Again, that's probably our, our most asked question. So as an owner, if something happens to your gear beyond what we call normal wear and tear, um, Quip2 will compensate you fair market value plus 10%. Really? Yeah, yeah. We wow. want to take care of our owners. If, wow. if, if you're an owner and you don't feel confident that you're gonna, you know, get your gear back in good condition, or if something that happens, you're you're you know gonna be SOL. You're not gonna list your gear. You're just not. And okay. so, yeah, that's how we set ourselves up. And and again, just the way that that works on the renter side is. Um, 10% of your transaction is going to go towards a maintenance fee, right? So if, if I rented a paddle board in uh, let's say I wanted to go to Geist Reservoir and I'm renting somebody's paddle board and it's a it's a $30 transaction for the day, right? Mm-hmm. I will be charged three dollars. Um, For maintenance fee. And again, that that kind of builds up that that insurance or warranty piece really it's not insurance but it builds up that maintenance cost that then would go back to an owner, you know when something, you know, uh, awry happens.
0: Okay, is that how you is that the business model, by the way, you taking 10% of each rent of each thing that's rented or are you also charging. A fee for signups. How do you how do you make money? Walk me through yeah, the yeah. How do we yeah? Uh, just transaction
1: based. You know, very similar to what you're going to see. We are uh, uh quite a bit lower than what you're going to see in some of our our competitors, right? So I think you know the RV share and outdoorsy models, twenty percent on each side. We're ten percent and eight um, oh, percent on each
0: then, on each side or just one side.
1: Uh, ten
0: percent on the oh, how does it. Yeah, how does it work? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, the, uh, on, the, on the owner side, it's a, it's a 10% fee. Um, and then on the renter side, it's an 8% fee. But again, the renter does that end up paying that, that maintenance fee, uh, which is different from um, what the actual service fee
0: is. Okay, I'm trying to understand. So you're making 80. So the, you, the company, you're making 18% on each transaction? Yep, you got it. Okay, great. All right, very good. And that covers your overhead, the website, the your the, the employees, the insurance. It's not really insurance, but the, the money you're having yeah, the bank exactly. to bank. Yeah, exactly. No, out. yeah, you got it. You
1: got it. Yep, yeah, you nailed it. And yeah, okay. one of the benefits of a model that we have, you know, we've had a lot of people reach out and they're like, well, why would not you just own the inventory? Doesn't that, you know, make more sense? And again, there are other companies that do I that. wouldn't want to. No, I would only Oh, no. Right. I would, <laughs>
0: why would you want to? No, uh, no, no.
1: Yeah, no part of us no. wants any part of that. No, yeah. Yeah. are yeah. you crazy? Our right overhead now, is- no pretty low right we have we have some salary expense we have marketing expense um and right we have some maintenance expense but uh we we operate on a pretty low pretty low uh exactly yeah budget the
0: best part the best part about your model is that you don't have the inventory to deal with that's the part i love i think so (laughs) i mean yeah i i wonder if um Is there any chance that, I'm sure you've thought of this, is there any chance you could be a rental conduit for wholesale companies or retail Mm -hmm. companies that want, have you touched that? Have you,
1: yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's somewhere... Uh, there's so many things that we think about. And then we just kind of realize, oh, we're nine months in, <laughs> you know, we've been <laughs> incorporated for four and a half months. Yeah. You know, we've our yeah. site's been live for like 48 days. And that's that's just something that we need to be really aware of. Okay, like, okay. We, we went live June 1. Yeah, um, yeah so, you got to be
0: careful. You got to be careful not to spin off into too many different directions, especially at first. It could get, you could get crazy. To, exactly. So, right.
1: So we only have three product categories. We're only in two states and we do that by design, right? Could we, could we, Uh, you know, take this nationwide right now? Absolutely. You know, do we want people though, going to Grand Rapids, Michigan, searching for stuff and then seeing, oh, there's, there's nothing here. We don't want that, right? We actually, we're, we're designing and targeting ourselves to open up our, our shop or open up our, uh, you know, ability for rentals in these dynamic atomic networks that we've already set up so that the renter is getting a really good experience when they go search Oh, what's in Fort Collins, Colorado? Oh, I well, so that
0: brings me that brings me to my next question. I checked it for, for Boulder, right? I checked some stuff in mm, Boulder, yeah. and, and I didn't I didn't really see a bunch of inventory. So then I was thinking, okay, well, their their number one challenge right now is just getting more inventory. When I say yeah. inventory, get, getting more people to put their stuff. Yeah, up the supply side, right? Supply yeah. supply <laughs> side. Thank you. And then I and then my meet, and then my head was like, well, if he had a relationship with a outdoor wholesaler, then that would immediately Bump his bump his uh, supply up. So yeah,
1: I no, no, a couple things, couple things there. So um, yeah, we we did target four initial places in Colorado that we wanted to launch in, and four initial places in Indiana. Got really good traction in half of those, um, and then in the other half, we've kind of switched over to this model of brand ambassadors. Um, and I think we're we're announcing our first or second one today. Mm. Um, we we've set up two or three now, um, where these people are more oriented in in the location of of where we're launched right so Boulder's an area actually that we we just don't have a ton of presence there weren't enough people that we knew that we could headlock and we could say hey i know that you own x do you know somebody else that owns y right because early on you really have to do that you have to be hands on the you have to be really hands on boots on the ground right um and so this brand ambassador program is really helping out with that actually quite a bit like Colorado Springs was an area where we were really struggling to gain some traction, and we we set up a brand ambassador program down there, and we have you know six paddle boards within a week.
0: Is right? brand ambassador mean like, hey, if I tell a friend and they put their stuff on there, then I get a little cut of that? Is that what Absolutely, you mean Absolutely,
1: it does. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Like 100%. a referral,
0: pro- like a referral program. Or a little bit right? of a
1: referral program, right? Yep, you got it. Is um, the brand
0: ambassador? Do you talk about the brand ambassador thing on the website? Is that on here?
1: No, no. Again, we're going live with that. I think we're posting about it for the first time today. I see. Um, So yeah, it's it's actually not something that we just like invite people to apply for. It's we reach out when we target specific people within that community and we say, Hey, yeah, but how do you get
0: those anybody? people? Where do you, how do you get those names?
1: No, uh, that's, that's a little bit of the tricky part, isn't it? Yeah. It takes a little bit of research. It, it takes a little bit about, um, you know, the people that we do have in our network, finding out um, where are the main, you know, places that, that are going to have an amalgamation of these people. Right. So we're finding to ourselves anyway, outdoor shops are, our partnership potentials, right? So uh, I'll tie this back in a second, because it's part of the second part of the question that you just asked. Check. So we do have, we do have relationships now with, I think three or four different bike shops, right. Uh, in the indie area where Good. it's, Hey, they understand that we're going to be lead generation for them. Right. We are, uh, our marketing dollars are going towards people seeing their rentals, those rentals then potentially can turn into sales. Bing Uh, Yes. Bingo. Yes. 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 Absolutely. And and most shops get that. I think we've had one or two who see us as direct competition and they- they No, 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 no. no, no. Yeah. Right. We have to understand that. And, you know, we will never push. it It
0: is leads. It's like- it's. It's like, bro, I'm giving you leads. I'm letting them test your bike. They're probably going to buy it after this. What are you talking I, about? Yeah, all of
1: my marketing dollars are going to get eyes on your product. That's <laughs> it. That's it. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. So oh, again, sorry. most shops are seeing that and we're, we're starting okay. to get some pretty good traction there, which is nice. Um, mm, but what's, what's interesting is at some of these outdoor shops, right? the people who work there, they do have gear. They are outdoors people, and they can start acting as brand ambassadors. So that's actually been a tactic of ours. Ah, um, without without ooh. revealing the curtain too much, um, of, of hey, identifying some people that work at some of these shops. These are the kind of people that have a couple camping sets, uh, and we'll work with them. Oh, you! Oh, you have four other coworkers that you could get who do have a paddleboard and a canoe. Oh, you have a mountain bike. Does somebody have a gravel bike? And that's how some of the conversations have flowed.
0: Very good. Okay. Have you bootstrapped this thing? You and your two buddies? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, no, we did. Uh, we did start taking investment uh, a few months ago and that's, that's gone really well. Um, You mean, uh, are talking like angel money from friends and family or what do you mean? Yeah. Yep. So we're, we're considering it a pre-seed round. We, we start off with literally just friends and family got enough traction within the Bloomington and Indy area that some angels started reaching out. Um, so yeah, yep. Yep. We were, we were really excited by that. Um, did you, you did you build your
0: did you build your first pitch deck? You, did you like oh, yeah. have a oh, whole, sure. whole? Did you have like a whole presentation? Oh
1: yeah! Yep. Yep. Yeah. um Yeah. Yeah. There's 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 been a lot of that. There's been a lot. Great! Of that.
0: Great! How much money have you raised? We raised
1: three hundred and five thousand.
0: Very good. And your 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 post revenue. You do have revenue. It's like it it is up and running, right? <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I mean depends on who you ask as to how you define revenue. I I probably would define it as uh we're still we're still in the red. Uh a oh, I'm bit. sure
0: you're burning, you're gonna I'm sure you're burning cash, but I mean you do have but you have there are transactions being made. Steven,
1: yeah, absolutely there are transactions being made. It is a small number because we have really focused the past six weeks on the supply side, right? Okay. There's a chicken and egg model that happens when you have a marketplace. Everybody knows oh, yeah. that. Marketplaces oh, yeah, 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 yeah. are very, very challenging. Everybody you're knows. Gonna- you're
0: going to burn okay. through that 300. You're going to burn through that 300k pretty fast. You better, you better raise some more cash. So are you in the middle of a, are you, are you do we you are. have a pit? Are you in the middle of a raise? Okay. Yeah, we are,
1: but it's not uh it's, it's not a, a huge raise. We're looking to, we kind of have a floor of 400. That's our goal. 400 takes us through next summer. Is that um, because we, we you're trying
0: done. to, is that because you're trying to maintain control as long as you can and not take on any big cash or why is the number? Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. I think honestly, just based on kind of the valuation that we're using, we're using a safe note. So, you know, we're, we're see, letting see. that future equity kind of determine the price point for a lot of different people, but, um, you know, candidly, you know, you talk to some people on the coast, you talk to people in big cities, their valuations are, are massive without really any traction. It's a little bit different in the Midwest. So yeah, there's, there's certain pieces of like, uh, you know, equity that we'd like to be able to keep for future rounds. Um, yes, yes. again, we'll take on as much money as we know what to do with. You know, I do have a finance and accounting background. I love creating a budget. I love following that budget and, and figuring out, okay, this costs a little bit more this month. Why was that? Will we really need to shift our focus from maybe this specific marketing tactic to this specific marketing tactic? Does that mean we need to bring on additional funds? You know, so admittedly right, the big cost so far has been the MVP development, um, you know, our UI UX design, and then actually building out you know, the website, and again, it sounds like you've had the chance to kind of, you know, work through it. Uh, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll say, from our perspective, we're extremely proud of what was created there yeah the
0: website's good yeah no no doubt i i definitely like it i uh i, I just knew i knew immediately supply 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 right, you know, right. The, yeah the, the, the ability to just click on boulder and grab whatever yeah, it is. yeah
1: and admittedly yeah it, it's a, a little unfortunate boulder is our worst market by by actually a pretty good margin if you go isn't to Portland,
0: that isn't that, right? isn't that interesting that's one of the. that's one of the biggest outdoor camping places in the united states you would think you would think that would be we, so the, the, again, the two
1: things there is we really haven't started spending our marketing budget yet. We want to okay. make sure, marketing is such a great tactic and tool, but if you spend it without knowing your product market fit, you will burn through your cash and yeah. we know that, right? Yeah. And so we're, we're really trying to be conscious of like, okay, let's figure out exactly how we know most transactions are starting to occur. Um, and then we can really, so marketing is pouring fuel on the fire, right? And so again, I think what, what happened in Boulder for us is we did not have that atomic network that we kind of thought we might, you know, there are a couple of friends that we have that we reach out to and, you know, everybody lives busy lives and, you know, you can't always just headlock everybody into, I know you own a paddleboard, put it on the site. <laughs> um, you know, so Boulder's just probably that, that one area and, and honestly a little bit of Denver as well, where we're leaning into that brand ambassador program where it's like, Oh no, you do know 10 to 15 people who are willing to do that. This will put some money in your pocket. Obviously like a lot of people who are owners on our site so far realize the value of making 50, 60, hundred bucks in a weekend. Um, and so, yeah, okay. it, yeah but you're uh, right.
0: I, I'm guessing, you, I'm guessing you're not paying yourself right now. No salary for Josh. Probably. Uh, it's, it's,
1: it's a very, very nominal amount. It's a very nominal amount. But yeah. Is your
0: wife, is your wife like, Hey, um, I know you're having fun with this and everything, but uh, uh, yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, so there's, there's a reality to the idea of like, you know, my, my co-founder had a baby nine days ago. My co-founder and his wife had a baby nine days ago. Right. Okay. So like yeah. there is some, so we do have some salary expense of like, Hey, you know, we're trying to bring him on full time. He does still carry a second job, but it's it's very, very minimal at this point, just a few hours here and there to help supplement. So part of our additional raise, right, is, hey, we did a great job raising 300. If we get to 400 now, he's full time with us for an extended period of time. Right. So mm-hmm. taking some of that worry off the off the table. Um, but yeah, yep. it definitely helps when you have a wife that, uh you know, can- <laughs> there's no question.
0: Is she, uh, is she scared? Do you guys have a little, little sleepless nights sometimes? Are you a little, are you a little nervous or no?
1: You know, I, I think, uh, I think we're, we're still in the excitement phase. I think we're still in the, Hey, you know, we're having conversations with people and, you know, very few times do I not see somebody's eyes light up and they're like, does this exist yet? This doesn't exist yet. Are you guys really, good? <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? we're going to be the people that do it um and as long as we can keep that that going and as long as we you know feel like we're still building something that is providing value I think I'm I think I'm going to sleep pretty okay
0: what advice do you have for an aspiring entrepreneur a couple of friends that want to start something based on what you've learned so far now I know it's early but I'm sure you've had some some learning pieces so far anything you want to share with uh Go find people
1: that are more knowledgeable than you. I think that's the best thing that I can provide as CEO. I think that there are a lot of things that, you know, our team does really well. Probably the best thing our team does is say, I don't know how to do that. I'm going to go talk to somebody who does. And we do it quickly and we don't spin our wheels just rambling through the idea of, oh, we'll, we'll figure that out. It's, hey, you know, again, for me, Bloomington, Indiana has one of the best Tech startup ecosystems. I think in the Midwest, no question. The Mill, the Dimension Mill, is a super strong network. Um, I've gotten so much great, great advice down there. It's the reason that I started this company was I saw so many people, you know, one of my best friends included, start tech companies just through the support that the Mill provides. And uh, you know, I really I thought to myself like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to be going at this alone. I have a co-founder. I have this support network of other entrepreneurs, other people who've done this before exited, or again, they just mentor entrepreneurs. And it's such a strong community that uh, I've never felt like I was going at it alone. Um, And so, yeah, I would say, yeah, find those people that, you know, be prolific on LinkedIn or find a co-founder who's prolific on LinkedIn. Uh, Just, yeah, make connections with people because people want to help you. They do. They want to see you succeed, um, especially if they think that you have an idea that's scalable and uh,
0: that can benefit people. That's one of the greatest things about the startup community is, yeah, everybody's just willing to help. I mean, big Everything. time advisors that are, you know, multimillionaires that have had exits. It's amazing how often they will just provide advice or, or give their time to help people get started. I, I, I've always I've seen that, too, from the very Within beginning. the first
1: six months of our company, when we really had almost nothing, we had two different like hour and a half conversations with founders who exited 100 million plus dollar companies right that's tremendous the, the city of indianapolis just does such a great job their founders have especially their tech founders uh have just done such a tremendous job um giving back that's to great. that entrepreneur community
0: that's great i always tell my wife anytime i go to dinner with a billionaire uh, <laughs> i always tell her i'm like i don't know why these people are giving me their time but i'm blessed and thankful that they are. Right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so it's good. Okay. Very good. Well, congratulations on everything you have built so far. Quip- yeah. I really appreciate I, it. I, I love the idea. I, I love the idea. I, I think the, um, I'm sure, you know, one of the, when you're starting a business, everybody wants to give you <laughs> advice. Everybody wants to give you advice, right? Everybody wants Always. to say, oh, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. And you got to be careful with those too, because then it could spin you off in a, too many different directions. Sure. The part you mentioned, though, about uh, the human connection. Absolutely. You know, the renter and the rentee, they meet, right? And I'm, I'm handing somebody my e-bike. I'm, I'm in my garage. I'm, like, I'm visualizing as you were talking. I'm thinking, yeah. hey, how, would, how would that work? I'm visualizing somebody pulling up to my garage. I open the door. They come in. We're standing in my garage. I'm showing them my e-bike. I'm helping them load it. I think there is a social media piece around that that could really take yeah. off, right? Like if you, if you could get people to like, you know, the camera shot, the video, yeah. like, Hey, I'm at, here's Bobby. I met Bobby. Bobby's taking my bike. And then they're sharing, they're sharing all that on your, on your social media. I think that uh, is, could be really powerful.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, the people who are now able to engage in an adventure And something that we really just haven't talked enough about, and, and, you know, I'll I'll plug it here. Our mission with Quip2 is increasing accessibility to the great outdoors. You know, the, the reason that we got involved in this is there are three big barriers to the outdoors that we think that we help alleviate. The first cost right? Outdoor equipment is really expensive. You know, if you're just a dabbler or you just want to try something maybe before you buy it, there, again, there aren't always great options for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Secondly, storage. So many people live in areas that don't have detached garages or like, where do you put a kayak? You know, for some people, the area for a mountain bike, you know, again, for those people, they don't own the gear and they just don't engage with that activity. And then lastly, you know, and you heard it through Montana, my Montana story is transportation. Anytime that you're trying to transport outdoor gear, like literally outside of your backyard, it can be really hard. Like yes. you, transporting a bike, you, you either
0: need to take the wheels off, yep. or you need to have a rack. Um, and by the, the way, for and by the way, for an e-bike, you got to have a special rack. Yeah, the special rack, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you're nailing
1: it. So yeah, there's some barriers to entry to the great outdoors that we really see ourselves helping to alleviate. Right, we're an extremely green company. We're we're encouraging people to reuse, or hey, you're only going to use that a couple times a year. Don't go buy that, you know. Love it. Uh, You know, so so those are some of the things that you know we really see ourselves kind of you know walking into and helping provide
0: for people. Um, Cool. Yeah, yeah, those those are some big passions for us. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I like it, man. I like what you're doing. Yeah. we're out of time here, Josh. I want to ask you one last question. Um, mm-hmm. So, if you had to define your core purpose in life right now, what is that? What does that sound like? Are you asking uh, just Josh Roach, or are you asking Josh
1: Roach bound equipped to? I'm
0: asking Josh Roach. Yeah, just Josh.
1: Yeah, you know, I think, I think the mission right now for me is to um, engage with people in a way where they feel seen, represented, loved, and heard, you know? And I think my, my wife and I spend a lot of time like thinking about those ways and not to be too altruistic with that, but like truly, like how do you leave an interaction with somebody and they're they're kind of smiling to themselves afterwards, like, oh, that's, that's a pretty good interaction um you know and it, it's, it's i'm gonna fail more times than i'm gonna succeed um but when i when i know that i'm putting my head on the pillow and i can think back on a couple interactions where i'm pretty sure that they have a smile afterward you know what i'm, I'm gonna rest easy that night
0: josh thank you for sharing that and thank you for being a guest on the riderflex podcast i really appreciate it absolutely thanks
1: so much steve